Do you ever find yourself yearning to look beyond the obvious and dreaming about what's possible in your next chapter? Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. I'm your host, Jeanette Blissett, former corporate executive who turned the page to become a best-selling author, entrepreneur, designer, and lifestyle business consultant. Episodes feature me and a kaleidoscope of guests who share their journeys with wit, candor, and humor, breathing life into real talks about things that matter most. I believe we all have a fire burning within us, waiting to be unleashed and shared with the world. It may just be a matter of time. So let's get together, turn the page, and get this adventure started. Welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. Today's guest is Joanne Edinburgh. Joanne is a certified eating psychology coach with Body Wisdom Nutrition LLC. She received a BS degree in psychology from Tufts University and a master's in social work from Boston University. She helps health conscious women transform to feeling relaxed about their food, their weight and body image so they can focus their time and energy. She coaches clients to find the inner wisdom to transform challenges with weight and body image into powerful opportunities for personal growth. She is on a mission to help women end the quest for the perfect diet and the perfect body. Joanne, welcome to the Next Chapter Experience. So let's dig in. Okay, I'm looking forward to this. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, let's rewind for a second. Let's talk a little bit about your background Mm -hmm. led you on this path. Yeah, I think I've been interested in health and wellness and nutrition for as long as I can remember. And I think that... I was always on the quest for that perfect diet in the name of health. But really, if I'm honest, it was especially as I've gotten older and going through menopause, trying to figure out how to lose weight. Many of us are trying to figure that out. So part of my experience started when I was in my 20s and I had a lot of allergies and figured out some foods that were causing a lot of inflammation for me and changed my diet drastically and really saw the power of food as medicine. Wow. I totally believe that is true. And food can be very powerful when it comes to our health. But what I realized is that I think is when my relationship with food really took a turn for the worst. Because I started to have a lot of beliefs about foods and whether they were good for me or bad for me, healthy, unhealthy. And I think a lot of people are in this situation now, especially health conscious women, they know a lot about nutrition and about food, and they're trying to eat the right way. And yet those beliefs are really hard to give up. I got to this place where I had a lot of beliefs about foods. Certain foods were bad for me and causing problems with my health. But then it got to a point where it was like everything I ate, I'd wonder, oh, maybe it was that that I just ate, or maybe it was this food. And so it started to create this fairly stressful relationship with food. And I think a lot of people are in this boat these days, trying to be healthy, trying to eat the right things. And when you're eating well, all is good. But inevitably, you're in a situation socially, or you're feeling really stressed, and you eat foods that you consider unhealthy, you know, the bad foods. And those beliefs can really have a significant impact on your digestion and your metabolism, just the beliefs themselves, because that creates a stress response in the body. It has to be very stressful. Some of my friends will eat and they'll overeat and they feel awful. So one day I said, how about just eating and enjoying the experience? Yes, I think we've come away from that. 
right? In our quest for health, we've come to this place where we don't enjoy food as much. That experience is not as pleasurable. And I think when I found the program that I enrolled in to become an eating psychology coach, Mm -hmm. I started to realize the complexity of these issues and the effect of stress in all forms, including our beliefs and that guilt and shame that comes in. Eat, guilt, shame, roller coaster. I never put a name to it, but eat, guilt, shame. And that's what happens. Many women are on this yo-yo dieting and restriction and then binging and then feeling bad and then going back to restricting, whether it's calorie restricting or just restricting whole groups of foods, because that has the same impact on our body. We don't like restriction. We're sovereign human beings. Most people have a huge need for autonomy. We don't like to be told what to do. And so I think that having all those restrictions in our diet, even if they're supposedly for for health reasons, I don't want to eat carbs, I don't want to eat sugar or whatever it is, right? It just creates a lot of guilt and shame when we eat those things. How do we get to a place where we don't have that eat, guilt, shame cycle going on and we make friends with our food? Yes, exactly. And I think that's key. That's exactly what we need to do. Food is not the enemy. We can't live without food, okay? We will die if we don't eat. Seeing food as the enemy, even if it's only certain foods, I think it's key to shift the mindset and relax about living in this world. So I think for me and working with clients, the key is shifting out of that judgment mindset, that voice of, oh my God, I just ate something that was bad for me. I have no willpower, which I think is those things that we say in our head, whether we're conscious of it or not, there's something wrong with us because there's this whole diet that's basically told us that, oh, if you just follow this plan or eat this way, then everything will break. And we know that for 95% of people, if they go on a diet and have some success, whether it's weight loss or whatever they're trying to attain from that, It doesn't last. These programs are not sustainable because they're not getting at the root of problems. So I think for me, and like I was saying, with my clients, shifting out of that judgment and turning that into curiosity, just trying to be curious. Why do I do these things? Why do I eat this way when I know that it's not the right thing to do? Many of us know that we should do this, that, or the other thing to be healthy, and yet we don't. So why is that? So just getting curious, I think, helps to bring in that self-compassion, that self-kindness and acceptance. Our history of our relationship with food is complicated and long. And so unwinding and unraveling that, I think, is the key. For most of us, it has to do with our emotions and these powerful thoughts and beliefs about food, like really putting a spotlight on that and getting in touch with what we're feeling in the moment, for example, I think that's one of the many strategies to really getting at what's going on. While you're talking, I'm thinking about a dessert that I really like to eat and it's lemon pound cake. I love that. And I love it with ice cream. And sometimes I'll eat it and I'm thinking, why I do that? What Mm -hmm. is it about the sensation or feeling that I'm trying to hold on to? But then I still have it and enjoy the hell out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
Like, why are we beating ourselves up out of enjoying things and having pleasure in our lives? Because in reality, pleasure, that relaxation response, putting ourselves in that state is what is going to help our body metabolize the best. We cannot digest our food well or even at all when we're in the stress response. You know what? I just read something about that and it had to do with women who are doing what they feel are all the right things to do as it relates to eating food that's mm-hmm. serving well. But in spite of doing all these right things, they're not able to shed any unwanted weight. Writer was talking about the other things that impact how you digest food. And one was the stressors that suppress certain digestive enzymes that you need to process food. I have a friend who is experiencing that right now, Mm -hmm. eating healthy. And in spite of all that she does, even with the physical activity, she's not Mm -hmm. been able to see the results. And I Mm -hmm. now understand that there might be something else that's going on that might be related to two things, stress and Mm -hmm. lack of getting the appropriate amount of stress. Yes, because both of those things absolutely impact our digestion. When we're in an emergency situation, which is what our body thinks we're experiencing when we're under stress, we're doing everything possible to run away or freeze or what we need to do to deal with that major emergency. So our digestion is the last thing that body is focusing on. Okay. So yeah, all the things that our body needs to do when we're digesting, like getting those enzymes to the digestive tract, bringing blood flow there, oxygen, those things don't happen. And so our digestion can literally shut down when we're stressed and not just stressed when we're eating. There's lots of things you can do to try to relax while you're eating. But if you are living under like low level stress all the time, which many of us are, our digestion and our metabolism is going to suffer. So perfect sense. It really does. And I think the stresses could be things like actually watching the news while you're eating. Absolutely. So many things impact that. And many of us, I know for me, this is true. We're so disembodied. We're not in touch with our bodies. We don't even know when we're stressed. It's just such a common experience that we're not even aware of it. But yes, things like all that negativity from the news, for example, if you're in a bad relationship or you have issues from your past relationships that haven't been resolved, did life experiences, wow. those can actually have an impact long-term on your digestion. That can really impact you. If it's something you're doing every single day, that can have a huge impact. And some things we don't have control over and some we do. So a lot of the work that I do with my clients is really trying to figure out what are things that are the stressors? What are the things that bring you joy and can put you in that relaxation state that bring you pleasure, that nourish you? Besides food, food is meant to nourish us. But if it's the only solution we have for getting those needs met, then there can be problems. So trying to bring more and more of that into our lives can be really little things, but just making a list and inventory, like what are things that make me happy, that bring me joy, that make me laugh? Those will take the place of the stressors and things can start to shift. And I think it's been really hard these last few years. A lot of the things that we do to help us being with other people, even working in person with other people, going to the gym with other people, going to shows, plays, concerts. And then there was just all the stress and the fear about the pandemic. It's no wonder that a lot of people gained weight 
during this time. That is a reality. So let me ask you this question. When you are working with clients, how do you get the process started? Is there some type of assessment to familiarize you with who they are and what some things are that are in their way of achieving their goals? Or how do you go about that? What's yeah. The process like? yeah. I mean, my first session with a client would be to do a full assessment. What's going on in your life? Not just around food, but we talk about that too. How you eat, when you eat, where you eat, those all impact your relationship with food. And of course, why? The big why, we get into a lot of that. But then all these other parts of our lives too, like I was saying before, what's your family situation, your relationships, your job, your environment, like where you live, all of those things, because every one of them can impact our relationship with food. So we start with that and also talk about what are your goals? What do you want to get from all of this? And what's been your history with your relationship with food? And to start from there and then start building in some new practices to relax while eating and doing some of these other types of exercises, like I was saying, with make a list. What what makes you happy? What brings you energy? It's very individualized. So it, it's not the same exact process for every single person. It really depends on what their goals are and what's doable for them. Because we can have all these things that I can recommend to people but if they're not on board or if it's not really realistic, then that's just one more thing to add stress to your life. In my opinion, people that have challenges with food and weight and body image, they already feel bad about themselves. Generally, most of us do. And when we feel like we're failing, it just makes it worse. We're trying to find things that make sense and that are doable and really looking at that, diving deep into, okay, I tried to take 10 breaths before I ate this week. I did it once and then feeling like a failure. These things are the easiest things are so hard. That sounds so simple. Like, why can't I do that? And just really getting in touch with, okay, how does that feel to even think about that about yourself? And really notice when you were able to do that. Did you notice any impact? Did it make a difference? Because just breathing can put us into the relaxation response. So who is your demographic? You mentioned health conscious women. Expand on that a bit. Yeah, I like to work with women around my age in their 50s or a little younger, a little older. People that are in a place where they're ready to focus on themselves. As women, we spend so much energy taking care of other people, especially if we've had children all those years, we don't spend enough time focused on ourselves. So I like working with people in that age group because I think at this point in life, we're at a stage of a new chapter trying to really focus on us. I also really enjoy working with people who want to dive deep because these issues, they are deep and they're not quick fixes. I think that's why a lot of the programs out there don't work for the long term because they're just getting at the surface. I think we really need to get at why we do the things we do and being comfortable with being comfortable because these are not easy issues to tackle and they take a while to unravel. And there are many, so many layers of the onion, so to speak. What kinds of issues they're working at? I like to work with women. Many have been yo-yo dieting almost their whole life or since they were teenagers on a program, off a program, tried everything, tried every single diet out there and all the latest things, the keto, vegan and everything in between and ready to try something new. Try to really explore getting underneath that. What's the root of the problem? I like to help people really enjoy eyes, but trying to also just step back a little bit. Think about it as we want to move our bodies. It's really important for health. But if it's only being used for 
weight loss or to compensate for overeating. I don't exercise to burn calories. I don't. I've been out of that game for a long time. It's really amazing to me that myth about the calories in minus calories out is what our energy expenditure is. It's very complicated and it really depends. The same meal can digest and metabolize differently at a different time of the day, depending on your state of mind, depending on your age. A calorie is not a calorie is not a calorie. That's how complicated it is. But we've been told this. It makes sense that people believe these things because it's still out there. People are still talk about this. The whole thing, everything evolves. (laughs) Back back when they had the information they had, they believed that based on the science that they had at that time. They did. As things get more evolved and more sophisticated and there's a deeper level understanding, and sometimes you just have to really move forward in yeah. evolution of the, how you think as it relates to you moving your body or eating the food. But I laugh about it because I remember back several diets ago, if you will, you have mm-hmm. fabulous diets that deliver meals to your home, mm-hmm. you have others that uh, you go to groups to like Weight Watchers, which actually I always I always thought Weight Watchers was a good way of approaching food because at least mm-hmm. you had an understanding of mm-hmm. gravitate toward and what you'd like to eat and the moderations in terms of the portions and things like that makes sense to me. Downside... Mm-hmm to Weight Watchers with me is when I was on Weight Watchers, the only thing I thought about was food. But the point is that as we get to evolve, there are Mm -hmm. new discoveries. And now as we evolve, we understand there are different needs our body has based on where we are on that timeline. We go through different phases in our life and we need different things. And we're not the same person we were when we were a teenager. For me, I try to help people get more in touch with their intuition and trusting themselves again, because I think we've really lost that. We are simply looking to the experts and the outside world to figure out what's best for us when in fact, we're all individuals and we're all different. It's my opinion. And what I really try to work with my clients on is really listening to yourself and experimenting what works for you. When do you feel that? Whether it's the kind of foods that you're eating, when you're eating, how you're eating, and when you're in a certain situation versus another, like just really paying attention and learning how to trust your body again, because I think we can trust ourselves with food and it doesn't look any one particular way for everyone. We're all different. And I think that's why all these different types of diets, they have so many testimonials and they can be completely opposite. From the carnivore diet to the vegan diet, how different can you get? And yet there are people that have cured their lifelong ills. When you study the blue zones, you would think there'd be one way of living uh-huh. that is the secret. But in actuality, when you study the blue zones, yeah. and you study the people and the cultures within it, the foods are completely different. Yes. The lifestyles yes. are completely different. And yeah. I think that there are a lot of things that are similar in all of those places that don't have anything to do with food. Yes, I think they all eat generally a whole foods diet, foods that are closer to their original But in all of those places, people spend a lot of time outside. They walk a lot. They have a very strong and tight community, which has a huge impact on our health and our metabolism and our digestion. Because again, it puts us into that happy place. We have people around us. So I think that's a huge piece of it. Yeah, it Um, seems that is a major piece, that community piece. Because mm -hmm. most of the blue zones where there is very long longevity, when they Mm -hmm. study those individuals, they find out that that community piece of being connected to others, be it through the work Mm -hmm. you do or service that you provide, breaking bread together, having conversations together, that seems to elevate these individuals. And I found that that was a common thread. The booze on the foods could be completely different. One is a strong, deep carb-based 
type of a diet based on where they are living. Others would be on um, fish and olive oil, or another would be no meat whatsoever and vegan bait. But within that was this network of connections and community. Yes, I think that's very true. Along that same theme, I think that connection to ourself is also a big piece of it for most of us. Because I think that's what a lot of times we're using food to meet that need of connection and just feeling good. And a lot of times it's not for hunger. In a sense, it is figuratively like we're hungry for other things that we don't have in our lives. We crave that feel good. And food can do that for us. But again, looking deeper and trying to figure out what is that I really want here? What is it that would meet my need? Because food or being busy can meet those needs. It makes us feel good in the short term. But in long term, that deep inner longing that I think is missing for a lot of us and trying to really get in touch with that, kind of understand the underlying issues. From the standpoint of the statistics on loneliness, loneliness for men and for women of a certain age. And as it relates to food, I have several friends who don't like to cook or they eat out a lot in Mm -hmm. restaurants or when they do eat at home, it's a fast meal, quick meal. They don't spend Mm -hmm. any time cooking it, nor do they spend a lot of time actually enjoying it. And Mm -hmm. I always found that very curious. Yeah, I think that's what that whole slow food is all about is creating that community and really having time to enjoy your food. But we do, we live in a very fast food culture, right? So we've lost that. And it's really busy. A lot of people don't have the time or aren't able to make the time to really cook and spend a lot of time in meals. There's ways. I'm convinced there's ways. So I I think everyone's an individual. They have to make decisions on the things of that nature. But just coming to a decision about how you want to manage that part of your life is important. It has to be intentional. I think if your mindset is, I don't like to cook, I don't like to eat alone, I don't want to spend a lot of time in the kitchen, then that's going to inform everything that you do. But when your intention is, I'm going to cook three types of protein today and I'll go ahead and here chopped salad so at least I have the Mm -hmm. vegetables so when I'm ready to eat then I can eat and enjoy myself yeah I think that's true I think what happens is that when people are feeling a lot of stress things aren't going well in their life it's difficult to make those kinds of choices again getting at what's really going on like why are we feeling really unhappy or stressed really good point I'm a big believer in inspired action rather than doing something because we're supposed to do it doing it when we're feel ready and I think that everyone is at a different place and working through these issues will eventually get us to a place where we will take those healthy actions only when we're ready. And I think that's probably a controversial idea, but I think it's true. I think fighting and pushing and discipline and way of judgment from that perspective, it again, doesn't work for the long term. Being kind and compassionate with ourselves and accepting where we are is the only way to change. Being ready and willing to do the work to resolve some of those things or address them so that you can enjoy your life. People who are willing to do that work will experience the rewards of that mindset shift. However, many people are simply either unaware 
or they're miserable, but don't know what to do. So you make a really good point about you have to be ready. Mm -hmm. You be ready to do the work and life work. It has nothing Mm -hmm. to do with diet or food or anything like that. You want to live a joyous life with peace and fulfillment and things of that nature, or continue to be miserable. What's your choice? And if you want to continue to be miserable, that is simply your choice. You have the free will to make that decision. For the other ones who say, you know what? I want more. I think I'm here to do more, be more, feel better and things of that nature. Then I see where the services that you provide from a coaching standpoint could work for a person, as you put it, who is ready. Start really simple. Just starting, like you were saying, being conscious, paying attention to ourselves and our bodies is really the first step. It's again, it's one of the most simple things and one of the most difficult things. Pay attention to ourselves and what's going on. That's another great point. You know, I was listening to Dr. Stephen Gundry's podcast and he talked about body signals. Many people wake up in the morning or sometimes feel something during the day and they ask themselves, why do I feel this way? Or why don't I have the energy that I really, really want to have? Or why are my joints aching? The curiosity to find mm-hmm. out what those things are could lead a person down the path of what you're talking about so they can yeah. be better. Because I cannot imagine living an entire life not feeling good on a daily basis. So for me, common sense approach, which I know is not always common practice, is to find out what the hell is going on. Yeah. Yeah. And just like you said, being curious, my personal philosophy is that our body is here to tell us what we need to know. And whether it's a full symptom or an emotional symptom, I think depression, anxiety, they are all here to teach us something that we need to know. It's our body trying to get our attention. Our feelings are there to just help us pay attention. If we have a feeling like a quote unquote feeling, that just means that we're not getting a need met. That's just a manifestation of an unmet need. Just looking at it that way. And like we've talked about getting curious, what's going on here? What am I to be paying attention to here? What can I learn from this? I think all of these issues, whether it be physical or food related issues, body image issues, weight, it can really be a great teacher and especially food related issues because we can't live without food. So it's every day in our face. We can either pay attention and and learn from it or not. But that's what I love about it because there's so much that we can learn from these challenges. Yeah. Let's switch gears for a second. I'm interested in this body image piece. Mm -hmm. I know that's what some of your coaching is around. What's the angst of the women that you work with? What bothers them the most? Yeah, I think most people aren't happy with their body. And that's makes sense because we live in a culture where we're told that we should look a certain way from all the images that we see, particularly with social media now. There's this one ideal body image and that we're not healthy unless we look like that. And really, it's like, we're not happy unless we look like that. We can't be confident unless we look like that. There's this idea that when I lose the weight, then I will find a new job, try to find a partner or go on this vacation or do this hobby that I've been wanting to do. Like we put our lives on hold for these issues. And the reality is we think that we're going to be happy once we look this way. 
And the truth is we're still the same person in a different size body. And until like we've been talking about, we get at the real issues, we're not going to be happy. We might get a short burst of, we call it like a false positive. You feel really good for a while. You get all the positive feedback from other people. But in the end, the same issues are still there. But I think people struggle with it because we're told by the beauty industry, the diet industry, that we need to look this certain way. And we're enculturated to that. That is a beast right there. It's such a beast. It's, <laughs> it's difficult. And again, it's its choice to do what makes them feel good. But in reality, do they feel better afterwards? That's a lot of my focus with clients. It's like shifting out of that looking good and getting to like, how do you feel? If you feel good, that's what's important. That's what's healthy. And you can think that changing your appearance is going to help you feel better. But I think it's just a good experiment to take a look at that. It's a long journey because it's tough to get just wanting to look a certain way. We're told from such an early age, that is how we're valued, especially as women. We even see the research with young girls. A lot of people with girls will comment on their physical appearance. And with boys, they comment on their skills. It takes a lot to try to change that. Think about it for all the years of those messages. Let's mm -hmm. just take young girls. If they're not blessed with a certain metabolism, we know what that's going to look like. And then you have the judgment that goes along with that. And then you go to college and you have <laughs> that reality. And you get into the workplace and you have that reality. It's a lot. And I think that what could help most women is really knowledge and mm -hmm. education around the mm -hmm. things that we're talking about to prepare yeah. them or help them deal with some of the realities with more sensibility mm -hmm. because it's over true. time, it's a hell of a beast to beat down. It really is. Yeah. I can see where the work that you're doing with women who have these challenges that they've been faced with as relates to food and weight and body image to just clear the smoke and give them clarity. So as you grow your practice, what are some of the things that are coming up for you that you're doing for or with your clients? Yeah, I've shifted over time. I used to focus more on weight because that's a lot of what people are interested in. I don't really even talk about weight loss anymore. I feel like if you do work and you get at the root of these problems, if you have weight to lose, you will lose it. But the more important issues are, like we just talked about, feeling good. What does that look like? Moving your body as opposed to exercising. When really shifting out of focusing so much on worrying about how we look to how we feel and really developing strategies to help with that relaxation piece. How can we be happier in our day-to-day -day life? And also not ignoring the fact that there are difficult things underneath it all. So it's not all unicorns and roses. I would imagine that's probably a relief for the women that you're working with to not focus just solely on the number on the scale, though it is an indicator. Because it goes so much further and deeper than that. And it's probably a relief because I know that a lot of women are caught up with, oh my God, I'm over 200 pounds right now. Yes, that's right. an indicator. If you're five yeah. feet and you're 200 pounds, that is an indicator. Don't get it twisted. Mm -hmm. Something is going on. Honestly, you simply cannot ignore that. There are things that we have to pay attention to as it relates to longevity and health. One is our blood pressure. Second thing is our A1C. And the third mm -hmm. thing is our cholesterol. Okay. Mm -hmm. And if you look at what you're eating and then come to grips with, am I eating the right foods? Am I drinking enough water? Am I moving my body? Those things are real. Let's get real about that. Yeah. But again, to take the focus off of the number on the scale and put the focus yeah. on what is behind that, I think it's a very healthy approach. 
and getting back to trusting ourselves and trying to figure out why we do the things we do, bringing in more of the feminine, really, that intuition, Mm -hmm. that trust. That's why I, I named my practice Body Wisdom Nutrition. We know what we need to know. We've just forgotten. We need to get back to that. At a certain point, we stop trusting ourselves and we mm-hmm. can't trust ourselves with food anymore. Finish your plate, eat everything or else you won't get dessert. What kind of message is that? Rather than eat till you don't feel hungry anymore. Mm-hmm. Eat three meals a day at these times. That's not always how it works. Some days we're hungry, some days we're not. And you see it with kids. Parents get really worried like, oh my God, my kid didn't eat it today. It's okay. Tomorrow they'll eat twice as much. So it's okay. But we forget. I think that's a big piece that's difficult is unwinding it all. We talked about this last week when we had our discovery conversation. I think there Mm -hmm. still is an element of knowledge that we need that would be beneficial as we move forward. Because Mm -hmm. what we may have learned over the years may not serve us well now. And the whole body wisdom pieces, I'm very curious about that because I'm thinking as I eat certain foods, my body does respond a certain way. And to become connected to when I eat this particular food, this is how I feel. This is what happens and have a sense of awareness that there are some foods that actually work better for your body chemistry for whatever the reason be. Some people can drink milk or eat dairy and other Mm -hmm. people, they do, Mm -hmm. they feel awful. Mm -hmm. Awful. Or if you have allergies, certain nuts will send you over the edge and others can eat Mm -hmm. as much as they want and feel okay. Some people can eat chocolate and other people eat chocolate and break out. (laughs) So just having the wisdom to know, do you really want to make that choice right now? Sometimes it takes a lot of experimenting. Like it's not going to happen the first time. It's a process. It's practice. And being aware of thoughts and feelings while you're eating those things, whatever those things are, I think is a really important piece of it that most of us miss. It doesn't matter what you're eating. Just pay attention. Be present. What are you feeling when you're eating that? What are you saying to yourself? What are you saying after you eat? Oh my God, I did that again. I just overate and what's wrong with me? That generally doesn't work very well to change behavior. I know intellectually that maybe it's not the best thing for me, but why is that? What just happened right before I ate? Did I just have a really uncomfortable conversation with someone? That in itself could cause us to do the things that we do. Like Mm -hmm. emotional eating is just basically eating our emotions, right? It's a strategy we learned for dealing with emotions instead of being present with them and letting them flow through our body. I know it's complex. We barely scratched the surface, I'm sure. I know. There's a lot to it. There are very unique situations that women are faced with, and each Mm -hmm. one has to be dealt with on an individual basis. With that said, let's talk Mm -hmm. about how our listeners can contact you. Yes. The best way is just through my website. It's my name, joanneedinburg.com. I do free consultations so we can talk more about your situation. And I have a 12-week program, Form Your Relationship with Food and Body, which is a one-on-one coaching program. I have a book club that I run. It's an in-person book club, Ditched Diet Culture Book Club, where we talk about all of these issues. Yeah, my podcasts are on there so you can get a better flavor for my philosophy and what I do. It's not my podcast, but I've been on other people's podcasts. So I list them all on my website. So you can listen in and hear about these conversations, including this one, which I'll post on there too. It's been great spending this time with you. Okay. Thanks so much. This is my passion. I love talking about these issues and I really appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you giving us some of your time today to the Next Chapter Experience. Thanks. Thanks so much.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Next Chapter Experience. If you have already subscribed, rated, and left a review, or shared this podcast with a friend, many, many thanks. For questions, comments, or feedback, reach out to me at Jeanette Lissette at nextchapterexperience.com. We'll be back with more conversations, so until then, keep that fire burning.